Well, good morning. My name is Jason, one of the pastors here at Community Church, and I am so glad that each and every one of you is here today. I want to take a moment and update you on a few things, and we want to have our giving moment before we dive into God's Word today. A few weeks ago, we had the opportunity to bless Northeast Elementary School. We gathered in this room, and we had a, an evening of worship, and we had about 50-some staff members that individual people were able to take an envelope with a personalized, really, uh, wish list to be able to bless those teachers and staff members. And I wanted to read a thank you note that uh, we received this week. It says, uh, your kindness and support mean so much. It is so heartwarming to know Northeast staff is so wholeheartedly supported by our community. Thank you for the wonderful treats. It definitely lifted my day. What I want you to see this morning is this, is this is a nice step of sharing hope in our community. This is a personalized blessing to a school, to a staff that desperately needs some hope. It's a tough world out there, and this is a great opportunity. It's been great. So I want to say thank you to you all who participated in that, and that's a tangible way we can really just encourage our community. Last Sunday, we had the opportunity to gather uh, for our family meeting. And I want you to know you can, if you miss that, you can, you can view that online. We've got, uh, got a new website. Uh, it's, 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 it's cool to see the new website. Thanks to, to Brad for all, and Clay and all their hard work in putting that together. But you can watch that family meeting if you missed it. And I want to give you just a very quick recap of that. Uh, we identified three bridges into our community. All right, that was one of the big points we wanted to emphasize is we have three bridges of sharing the hope of Jesus into our community. We talked about uh, the, the bridge of gospel conversation into our community to those who don't have a church home. Whether it's, eh, I'm kind of over church, I'm, I, I don't get it, I don't, I'm, I'm hurt by church, whatever the case, but there is a bridge of gospel conversation that I believe God is leading us into. That's one bridge. Another bridge is the bridge of family ministry, a bridge of equipping and invitation. TJ just talked about a great opportunity there where we, are, we can equip our families not only to do what God's called them to do with their own family, but to be able to invite and bring others along the journey. Because last time I checked, it's more difficult than ever to be a parent. And we want to be able to help all the parents of our community to give them the real hope of Jesus and real tools that can be helpful in a time that's more challenging than other. And then the third bridge that we talked about was the bridge of mental health. This is a bridge of care and compassion. Again, we have a community who is hurting, and we want to be able to provide the right type of content and community and connections into resources that can provide real, genuine hope. And all that hope is ultimately rooted in Jesus Christ. Amen? So we want to take a moment now, and we want to give back to the Lord. And we, we believe as a church, God is calling us to build these bridges together. And just as together we reached out and, and helped Northeast Elementary, we can together build these bridges of hope into our 
community. And it takes some resources to be able to do that. And this is an opportunity we get to have, which I believe is just a tremendous blessing. Uh, I do want to let you know, uh, one of the things we did share as we look towards the end of the year, and we've got a couple months left, but we're about 7% behind on our budgeted giving, which represents around $80,000. So we would love to be able to finish the year strong from a financial standpoint so we can really have a lot, lot of great things to build on as we go into the new year. So let's take a moment now and let's thank God for his offerings and we'll, as we give back to him. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your generosity. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the tremendous blessings you have given to us. We thank you for opportunities that you give us individually and collectively to share the hope of Jesus into our community and even unto the ends of the earth. So even as we think about an upcoming uh, meeting for a mission trip with Boaz Project, we thank you for our impact partners. We thank you for our impact partner of the month, uh, uh, Matt Casey and Campus Outreach. Would you continue to bless them? Bless the efforts of Jim and April as they build this trip. And Lord, we want to be used by you in a mighty way. So we thank you for your love, your generosity towards us. And as we give back to you, to give you glory and honor and to build your kingdom, would you take these offerings, multiply them for your glory and your kingdom. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, we're going to continue in our series simply called, I Give You My Word. We're looking at some of the promises of Jesus and what he has to offer to us. But I want to ask you a question to start this morning. And it's simply this. What is your attitude as you follow Jesus? What is your attitude? I want to invite you to name that attitude this morning. Don't simply do like a teenager does sometimes. Say, how are you doing? Fine. My attitude's fine. (laughs) What is your true attitude? Not what you think it should be, but what is your true attitude as you follow Jesus? What is your attitude towards Jesus? What is your attitude towards others as you talk about Jesus? But what is your attitude this morning? I want to invite you to name that attitude. Brad and I had a wonderful opportunity this past Wednesday to start our spiritual disciplines class. And one of the things we discussed was What's our attitude as we pray, as we read the Bible, as we try to engage in some of these spiritual disciplines? And for some, the attitude is complacency. For others, the attitude might be confusion. For others, the attitude might be, you know what, I, I, I'm just kind of discouraged or I'm stuck. But wherever we are, I believe Jesus is calling us into an attitude of confidence, an attitude of 
confidence. Last week as we opened up God's Word and we looked into John 14 through 16, we said that in many ways the disciples had a trust issue. They had a crisis of trust. Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross. Judas had left. He was going to deny Jesus. Jesus had said, Peter, you're going to deny me. And they were discouraged. Their hearts were troubled. And we acknowledged last week that Jesus meets us where we are in that mess. And this morning, as you search your heart, what is your attitude towards Jesus? What is your attitude as you follow him? And how this morning can we grow in our confidence as we walk with Jesus? That's the simple goal this morning. I want to encourage us through the words of Jesus that we would grow in our confidence as we approach Jesus and as we share about Jesus. My assumption as you're in this building today is that's something you desire, that that's something you want, that you've come here expecting to hear from God's Word, that you've come here with a desire to want to be more like Jesus and to have a more confident walk with Jesus. So that's my assumption this morning. My assumption is that we are also in far different places in our knowledge about Jesus, in our experience with Jesus. And I believe this morning that God has special words for each one of you, not because of anything I would say, but because of the words of Jesus themselves. So we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. I'm going like old school today. I want you to take out a writing. I have an English teacher flashbacks. I want you to take out something to write with, and I want you to take out your note sheet or a notebook, whatever you, whatever you bring. And we're going to walk through the words of Jesus together. I'm going to read it once, and then we're going to work through it. Jesus says this in John 14, 12 through 14. He says, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Just as you hear those words, you don't have to write them down yet. I'm going to take, you, take your time here, okay? We're going to do this together. But what a staggering promise. What an amazing promise. What an amazing opportunity that God gives us through his words. But let's understand it. Let's begin here. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you. Very truly, I tell you. Old school King James, verily, verily, I say unto you. 
or truly, truly, I say to you, when Jesus says this, he's serious about it. He's always serious about what he says, but this is like special. This is pay attention. These are, these are words from Jesus himself. These are the red letter, even though it's black, these are the red letter words in your Bibles. And these are words that Jesus has spoken. Last week, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John, in the opening of his gospel, says that Jesus is the Word, the divine logos. He is the Word made flesh. And here Jesus is giving us his words. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me. Who does that include? Whoever believes in me, there are some promises that are going to be offered to this group. Whoever believes in me. Is this the spiritual elite? Do you have to have pastor, reverend, bishop in front of your name or saint in front of your name? No, this is everybody. This is every Christian. This is everybody who claims to follow Jesus. This is an inclusive promise. Let me pause for a moment. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? It says, believe in me. The me here is Jesus. Not simply an idea about Jesus, but Jesus himself. They say, show us the Father. How do we get to the Father? Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Believe in me. Let's talk about belief for a moment. Sometimes we, we just get belief simply in our heads and we want to check a box that says, I think this is more true than anything else, so I'm just going to check it. I'm going to have an intellectual assent. I want you to consider this word belief a little bit deeper. One of my good friends in my small group is having some major tooth problems, major issues. Had some bad dental work back in the day, was in pain. Finally, it had become too much for him to bear. And he consulted his dentist. And the dentist said, we've done the x-rays, we know what the issue is, we have a plan to fix it. Now, did my friend trust the dentist? Simply by hearing those plans, simply by getting some consultation from those plans, he had not yet taken a step of belief. Now, when he got in his car and he drove to the dentist's office, he was on that journey of belief. When he actually sat in the chair, submitted to the Novocaine, and they drilled into his gums, when he had taken that step of belief. I believe sometimes when we talk about belief, we live too much simply in our heads and probability and all that. Yes, but there is a step of commitment that we need to take. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been 
doing. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. Now, sometimes people get tripped up with this verse because when you think of what are the, what are the works of Jesus? Well, he's done miraculous things. He's brought Lazarus out of the grave. He's turned water into wine. He's fed the 5,000. He's done all these amazing things. So are those works what I am to do? That's a great question. I don't have time to answer all the different takes on that, but I want to emphasize a few things. The works that Jesus do have a purpose. They have a purpose, and they are to testify to who Jesus is. We are called to do works, absolutely. But what are the works that we are primarily called to do? What are the works that we are primarily called to do? I won't take you through all the passages, but, but Paul, 1 Corinthians 12, he, he talks about the gifts that we have been given. And he said, you know, some are called to be apostles and some are teachers and some have the gift of helps. And if you've, if you've gone through our first steps class, you've done a spiritual gift inventory and you've, you, you understand what God has given you. But we are not all called, we do not all have the gifts of miracles. I don't know of anybody who's raised somebody from the dead or fed the 5,000. So as we look at that, we don't say, Jesus, you've overpromised and underdelivered. No, no, no. We are called to do the works. What, is, what are the works that we are called to do? We are called to love. We are called to point people to Jesus. God uses us to help bring people to Jesus. That is the work that we are called to do. You go to Ephesians 2.10 and, you know, say God prepared in advance works for us to walk into. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do greater things just pause on that for a moment and they will do greater things than these why because I am going to the Father. I want you to write these words down. Get them here and get them here. These are the words of Jesus to you. To you. If you believe in Jesus, these words are for you. And they are to you. Now, greater things... Greater things than Jesus? Are you kidding me? What does he mean by greater things? 
Well, there's a clue here. Why? Because I am going to the Father. What has not yet occurred at the time of Jesus' delivery of these words to his disciples? Jesus has not yet gone to the cross. He has not yet risen from the dead. He has not yet ascended into heaven. And the Holy Spirit has not yet indwelt all the believers. There have been hints of it, but there's a full-blown coming of the Holy Spirit, filling of the believers that has not yet occurred. So we are called to do greater things than these. How does that promise sit on you for a moment? I want you to think about your attitude. You and I, we together have been called to do greater things than these. I can't leave off because I am going to the Father, because he must go to the Father so that we can have the Holy Spirit. Shea read that wonderful passage from Luke, following the Lord's Prayer. Hey, you who are fathers, you know how to give good gifts. But how much more will your Father give you, did you catch this, the Holy Spirit? God will give you the Holy Spirit. Now, let's let's pause on this verse and let me give you some key words for this to sink in for you. Let me give you some key words here. The first one is authority. Jesus has authority. Authority from his Father. I love what the writer of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews picks up on this theme. He says, look, don't, don't quit. Don't quit. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus. The author and perfecter of your faith. There is an authority that comes from the authorship of God himself. You and I, we as followers of Jesus, we are given some authority here. We are given some power. We are given given some direction. But it always originates in the one who is the author and perfecter of our faith. So there is a authority. Again, this is Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. There is also access. We have unbelievable, unprecedented access to God. The very creator of the universe, we have access to. Where we were once separated by our sin, because of the work on the cross, because of Jesus' victory over sin, we can now, the door is now opened, you know, the curtain in the Holy of Holies that separated, that, that curtain was torn when Jesus died, and we have access to God. And we have ability.
God has given us the ability to serve him, the ability to do works. He has given us individual giftings, and more important than that, he has given us his Holy Spirit. We're going to lean into that in the next couple weeks. This is a bundle of promises, and we're trying to slow down a little bit and make sure we understand them. But there's authority, access, and ability that Jesus promises us. Let me ask you again, what is your attitude towards Jesus? What is your attitude as you follow him? Now, let's continue. It gets better. I really hope you're encouraged by these verses. Anybody had a season where you're just like, I wake up and I'm just tired and discouraged? Whatever season you're in, some of you are not. Yes, I know that. I, I felt that. But, and I don't have time to tell, tell the whole story, but I, I got up a couple days ago and God just filled me with encouragement. And I can't explain it. I, I think it's some of the, my prayer warriors in the back that have been praying for me. I think there's a lot of things, but God just encouraged my heart. And I hope you experience that even today. That was an aside. Let's get back to the verses. Now, uh, Jesus says this, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Let's break this down. These words are for you. God is the author of your story, and he is inviting you to contribute. He is inviting you to contribute. He is, he is inviting you to write your story into the bigger story of faith. One of the things I'm so excited about in 2023 is faith story is going to be our thematic focus for the year. But God is writing your story right now. God is writing your story right now. You have a verse to contribute in that story. But Jesus says this, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, key phrase here is in my name. In my name. Now, is this a, God, answer my prayer. I'm going to say in my name, in the name of Jesus three times, and you have to answer it. Is that what Jesus, no, that's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. In my name. John, a little later on in 1 Peter 4, 15, he'll say, whatever you ask according to my will, 
according to my will is an important part of this. John 15, 7, Pastor Dean here in a couple weeks is going to preach through that wonderful passage in John 15 where we talk about abiding, about remaining in the vine. And John will say, remain in me, and if, if, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, then I will answer. Then you will receive whatever you ask for. So for us, this is an issue of alignment. How do I align my desires, my wants, to those of Jesus? What does that look like? How does my life truly look more like Jesus? Whatever stage of life I'm in. If I'm a high school student, I'm, a, I'm an elementary school st- student, I'm, I'm 85 years old, whatever season I'm in, what does my life of love that points to Jesus look like? How do I align? How do I get in, in line all of my desires? I'm going to read you this from... Uh, I, I really love the way Eugene Peterson put this in uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5. He's talking about taking every thought captive. He says, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Fitting every loose, anybody got any loose thoughts? <laughs> anybody got any crazy impulses? Emotions that go up and down into the structure of life shaped by Christ. So there is alignment here. I also want to suggest that there is availability. This is a prayer that's not, Jesus, I'm in charge. I'm going to show you exactly how you can get on my page. You are my consultant to help me write my story. That's not what this verse is saying. When we pray in Jesus' name, it is a prayer of alignment that, that my will would align with God's will. If I want to change, I've got to change my wants. And that's what this prayer is. This is a prayer of alignment. A prayer that says, I am open, Jesus, to what you have for me today. Today. Jesus cares about every one of your wants, every one of your needs. He cares about the math test you got to take Wednesday afternoon. He cares about the doctor's appointment you've got Thursday morning. He cares about the house that you're trying to sell. He cares about the pain that you are going through. He cares about every detail of your life. He is the author and perfecter of your faith, of my faith, and our faith. Well, let's finish this this verse out. He says, you may ask Whatever. You may ask for whatever or for anything in 
I'll go with the NIV here. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I want you to write those words down. I want, I want those words in your head and in here. Let those words fill you for a moment. We have authority, we have access, we have ability through the Holy Spirit. We are on this alignment project that says it's got to be in Jesus' name, not as a formula, not as a way to get God on my agenda, but in many ways as an alignment filter that says I am conforming my wants, my desires to Jesus. So there is a, an ask and an act that God's calling us to. To do the greater works that he's called us to. And to do it with confidence. What a promise. What a promise. As you've written these words down, I want you to understand the promise that the God of the universe sent his son to die on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin and that he actually died and he actually rose to declare victory over the power of sin and death and to give you life that is not only everlasting but is life that is truly life right now today. And you and I, we as a church, we have access to that. We have access to that. Now, before we come to the communion table, which really in many ways communion is a declaration of the truth of the promises of God. But I want to invite you to do something right now. I ask you at the beginning of the message to name your attitude. To name your attitude. I want to invite you to do this. Just, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want to pray specifically for you right now in this moment. How many of you today, and, and again, not, not how you should feel, not how you think nobody else is looking but, but, but me. I love you, and I love you too much to see you stay right where you are. How many of you right now, just slip up your hand if you feel like your attitude is one of complacency towards God. You're just complacent. You're, you're stuck a little bit. Just slip up your hand if that's you. How many of you right now, if, if you're really honest, you're just a little bit confused right now. You're confused. You've got something in particular that you don't understand. You want some guidance and you're confused. Raise your, slip up your hand. Okay, I see you. How many of you right now feel like, if you're, if you're really honest, you have a consumer mentality towards Jesus? 
When he answers your prayers the way you want, you're happy. When he fails to answer the prayers the way you want, you're sad, you're discouraged, and you're mad. Raise your hand if that's you. That's your your feeling right right now. I appreciate you having the the courage to raise your hands on that. let's, Let's pray together. Father, we pray together right now that you would increase our confidence Not in ourselves, not in our own understanding, but in you, Jesus, the one who promises us so much. So my friends who feel complacent, who feel confused, who feel like they're dominated by a consumer mindset, or whatever other word might fit in there, Jesus, would you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, meet us where we are and give us confidence in you. And it is truly in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen. Now this morning, again, as I suggested, we're going to make a victory declaration as we come to the communion table together. I want to read these words from the Apostle Paul, and then I'll invite you forward. Paul says this in, in 1 Corinthians 11. Verse 23, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes friends this morning the communion table is open if you're a follower of Jesus doesn't mean you have to have it all figured out but you've taken that step of faith and trust in him I would invite you to come forward take the elements back to your seat and when you're ready on your own receive the bread and the cup, and then I'll pray to to close us out. So would you come forward now, if you're ready. invite you to pray with me. Father, as we come to you now, we thank you for the bread and the cup and all that it represents. And we're so thankful that your word tells us we can approach you with confidence. 
because you've torn the curtain in two. You've opened it up so we can have access to you. And may your Holy Spirit, even right now, help us to identify our attitude and lead us to greater confidence in you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.